we have watched Dart grow over the last 40 years, and last year was an eventful year for Dart. You look at it now, they've got 93 miles of rail, the longest light rail system in the country. They've got buses traveling everywhere. They cover 700 square miles, and it's still growing. And it looks like 23 and 24 especially are going to be very eventful. Time to catch up with the president and CEO of Dart, Dallas Area Rapid Transit. Nadine Lee joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Great to be here. So, you, so they brought you in as the new CEO right in the middle of COVID, which is a nasty thing to do to anybody. <laughs> Are we? Is the system out of COVID right now? Is it back the way it was before? <laughs> well, first, let me set the record straight because I voluntarily came here. <laughs> so... <laughs> can claim any sort of grievance on that. But um, but uh, in answer to your question, are we out of COVID? Um, well, I guess the question that's a question for everybody, right? I mean, it's not just Dart who gets to decide whether or not we're out of COVID. But what I can tell you is that, uh, you know, COVID reset our baseline for how we do business. I think, you know, what we're experiencing is we're trying to uh, bring back ridership to our system, but it's in the context of you know, not everybody's working in an office anymore. Um, so with a lot of people, uh, traditional commuters no longer coming down to the downtown offices or any of the offices along any of our major corridors, um, you know, we've sort of lost that base of ridership that we previously had had expected from year to year. Um, so we're, we have to pivot and we have to think about who our riders really are right now. And so what that means for DART is that we're spending a lot of time thinking about how we take care of today's riders. Um, you know, we're, we're, it's not that we're not interested in bringing other riders to the system, but we think that it's really important for us to take care of our existing riders and make sure that we're meeting their needs first. And that means that we need to focus on things like security, cleanliness, and reliability. Those are the three major factors that we often see when we do our customer satisfaction surveys. Uh, those are the things that our customers tell us that they care about. And so that's where we're putting all of our time and energy into is to improve those experiences for our riders so that we can make sure that their ride is good. And I am convinced that if we make sure their ride is good, that other people will come. Several things there. So so what is it goes to the very heart of what your ridership is, who your ridership is. And so the answer is your ridership were daily commuters going to offices to to a great extent. I would I don't know that that I would necessarily would have thought that. But but the fact is you were disrupted with that. Yeah, um, well, let me just uh, give you some context on on our ridership demographics because um, we did we so right now we're at about sixty percent of our pre-pandemic ridership levels. So, if we do fuzzy math, we could say that about forty percent of our ridership was probably the regular office commuters, right? And that's a big percentage of our ridership. But the bigger percentage, which is the sixty percent who are riding today, are essential workers who probably didn't have access to other forms of transportation, or at least the ones they had weren't very good. Um, and what we do know from our uh, specifically our bus rider demographics is that they're mostly low income people of color, again, who don't have access to cars, um, you know, who really depend on us from day to day. And I think that's that is what we're focusing on um, making sure their experiences are good, because, you know, when you depend on uh, public transportation as your only form of mobility, you know, it's our responsibility to make it the best it can possibly be. The orientation of the bus service was to feed rail rather than point to point hub and spoke. I mean, hub and spoke into a central area, move everybody around and send them back out. 
but it was to orient and, and drive people toward rail. Is that still true? No, I think you've seen a shift here at DART. Um, actually, a year ago, we launched our new bus network, which was a big overhaul of our bus network. Um, and what we did was we converted it from trying to feed a rail system into more of a grid system throughout the service area so that we could actually serve people on the east-west travel patterns and the north-south travel patterns without having to force them onto the rail system. And I think that actually provides more accessibility to our system um, within, say, a half mile or a quarter mile of where they live. Um, it forces, um, or it doesn't force, it actually gives people the opportunity to take a different mode of transportation that could be much more efficient than going out of direction to catch the rail and then coming back into downtown. And and what we do know from the pandemic is that, you know, especially with people working from home now, um, you know, the travel patterns have really shifted. Um, people are no longer going to the central hub of downtown Dallas right. the, the way they before. Um, I think, you know, we've decentralized our travel patterns, and I think our, our transit system is now adapting to those new travel patterns. Um, and bus is specifically uh, the best mode to do that because rail is on a fixed route. Um, it's on a fixed guideway, so it's much, much more difficult to change and also very expensive to change, whereas bus routes can can flex and adapt to the new travel patterns as much as possible. But one of the, one of the arguments for rail, and, and we've seen certainly some evidence of it, is that it becomes a planning tool and it becomes a magnet and that it attracts rather than a bus which has to go serve where the density is or where you know where the population is is living or working that that the rail line can attract it we've seen transit oriented developments that come around it with mixed use the first one being mockingbird station is that continuing to grow and is, does does it continue to work as a planning tool yeah, I think that rail will always attract development um, just because people understand it that way. And, and certainly rail, because of the nature of being a high capacity uh, mode, um, it, it tends to attract that investment opportunity. Um, you can see that with City Line and Richardson. You can see that in downtown Plano, um, certainly in Irving with Las Colinas. Um, I think there are some really great opportunities around our service area to continue to develop uh, around our rail lines. Now, to your point about buses uh, being less attractive for development, I think the time has just not come yet. Um, I think on our highest corridor uh, uh, bus routes or highest ridership bus routes, um, you, we're going to start to see people wanting to develop around those routes because once you establish a route that has high ridership and high density along that corridor, um, you know, people like that route is not going to be changing. Right. Um, so, for example, our route to uh, University of Texas at Dallas, um, you know, UTD values both the rail and yeah. the bus system. Um, that serves, you know, serves their uh, student population. So, so you know, along those corridors, you'll be able to see people, you know, start to generate some interest in development, particularly after, you know, some of the rail corridors have been, you know, built out and, and developed. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity along our bus routes. And as we start to improve the speed and reliability of our buses, um, I think we're going to attract a lot more ridership to those corridors, those particular routes. And then I think we're going to start to see the development along those routes. Um, I think BRT still has its time, uh, B BRT meaning bus rapid transit. Um, I think those um, really dependable uh, bus routes that uh, every city has is going to see a lot of interest in development in the future. It just hasn't happened yet. But a lot of the buzz we've been having now for, gosh, probably a decade is the Silver Line, which would connect DFW Airport and 
Grapevine and Coppell and Addison and ultimately end up with, with Plato. We had the mayor of Addison on, oh, I don't know, I guess maybe a year ago. And he was talking, he was so excited because you're going to give Addison a, the downtown they've never had before. And it's all going to be centered around around the transit system. Tell me about the Silver Line and the progress there. So we've been making a lot of progress on the Silver Line. If you go out to the corridor today, you'll see a ton of construction going on. Um, and I think people are actually starting to see it form. Um, you know, you're seeing ground, uh, you're seeing tracks, you know, and grading, you know, to set up the track work being, you know, all being laid down. Um, and, and I think people are getting really excited about it. I mean, certainly we have some challenges with trying to get the project done, but um, but I think what you're going to see over the coming years is a lot of progress and a lot of speed towards getting that thing open. Um, I, I think, you know, what Addison is doing is they've kind of geared all of their uh, their plans and their development around the station. And, and I'll remind you that, you know, it's not just the Silver Line rail station that's happening, but all the buses that are going to be serving that station as well and providing access, not just by rail, but also by bus to the Addison Town Center. So, um, you know, we, all these stations become mobility hubs, which is an important concept, I think, for us to be building out. And you're going to start to see DART talk about that more here in the coming months. So tell me about the interconnection with the T, with the Fort Worth operation. Obviously, it takes place now at, at DFW. Is there interconnectivity, or is yours mostly, you know, DFW back into back into Dallas? Well, we're definitely talking with Trinity Metro about how we interline our services between Fort Worth and DFW and uh, the, the Silver Line, um, and of course down into downtown Dallas as well. I think you know the important thing that we want to focus on is that we want interconnectivity. We want to make sure, and, and <laughs> I'll sort of pause here because I, I think the important thing for everyone to remember is that customers actually don't care who's operating any of these lines, um, even though we might say, well, TRE is jointly operated by DART and Trinity Metro and, and the A-Train. No, 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 no. They just want it to be seamless. That's that's the only that was the only thing they want. Bureaucratic problems. <laughs> so, so, you know, what we're trying to do is trying to create a seamless opportunity for people to take transit to and from DFW, from DFW to uh, Fort Worth. I think, you know, that interconnectivity is really important. Um, interoperability is really important. We've already designed it to be interoperable, but um, but I think, you know, we have more work to do to make sure that it's very seamless for the passenger. Well, you have uh, 700 square miles to say grace over. And I, I don't envy your job, but it's uh, it's fun to see all those lines running, especially and for dis for disclosure purposes, I spent four years on the dartboard, and it's nice to see the thing up and running. Nadine Lee is president and CEO of Dallas Area Rapid Transit. We enjoyed the update. Good to spend some time with you. Likewise. Thank you, David. Thanks for more of our conversation. Go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.